You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five. Kendala Homicide Investigation. That was that woman, wasn't it? That was, um, wasn't that that woman uh, that was found in a house in Kendala? Yeah, I think so. I think it was. Well, anyway, police officers, they're investigating the violent death of an elderly Wellington woman two weeks ago after focusing on key five hour, a key five-hour period on the night she died. That story at rnz.co, if you're interested in that. And Leo Malloy, he's back in the news again. He was the one that ran for Auckland Mayor. He's a restaurateur. Leo Malloy faces uh, charges of assaulting a police officer. Uh, the businessman and former mayoral candidate named suppression has lapsed. <laughs> so he, he's an Irishman. And I, yeah, I could say he'd be a bit of a street fighter, old Leo. Doesn't take any nonsense from me anyway. Anyway, the father of the man killed in Dunedin, that's um, Gurjit Singh, 27, was found dead a week ago as a result of multiple stab wounds inflicted uh, with a sharp object. They've arrested a man there. He wants answers, wants to find out what's going on as they send his body back to India for burial. And 50 years of bird call, um, how it started with the pretend Ruru, and that's um, half a century of morning report. Now, you remember that bird call they have over at um, uh, Radio New Zealand, the morning report, they have it on the bird call, and how RNZ came to play bird sounds at 7am every morning, uh, Catherine Fitzgerald explains, and that story is over. I wonder if it's a podcast. I'll just quickly click on it and tell you if it's a podcast or not. And if it's a short one, I'll play it, um, but it's not. Don't think it is a short one. I'll, Kia thank you for coming. Six minutes. <laughs> not at all. Thank you for asking me. I'm going to start with a very difficult question. Um, oh, oh hey, we haven't got time for that. Got news coming up. We might have a listen to it later. It's a bit boring, isn't it? But uh, we'll find out there. Jeff Robinson speaks to uh, Charlotte Cook uh, about the bird call and other things. It's just six minutes. I don't know. Is there interest in that? No, mate. Not interesting. I don't look at that. All right, all right. We won't look at that. Two minutes away from news. Now, gosh, it's pretty difficult because I, I could easily just talk right through it. So I've got to um, – now, let's see. I've got to go over there. We've still got Patrick. He's over there. Uh, jibber-jabbering away there. And what are we up to? We've got um, just a minute to go. So, oh, I don't know. What do I do now? Um, I will um, – what, what shall I do? Let me see what I can do. Uh, we'll hear from Joe Rogan with Ben Shapiro. Can't do Douglas Murray. I know I had him planned, but we'll do Douglas Murray after the news at 7. Uh, so we'll be up with TNT Radio News very shortly. Why do you care if uh, two gay guys want to get married? The – idea is not that I care deeply whether two gay guys want to get married to each other. The idea is that, it, do I prefer traditional marriage to, to same-sex marriage? Okay, well, let me, let me phrase it this way. What do you think a gay guy is? Do you think someone's, they're making a choice, or do you think that this is how they were born? So the religious point of view on this, and, and I think this is actually just the general conservative point of view on human action generally, mm-hmm. is I don't know, meaning that for the vast majority of people, I would assume that they have a biological drive to, to engage in, in that behavior, but the traditional sort of will point of view is that biological drive does not necessarily match up to the activity you ought to engage in. Right? Men, for example, have a biological drive to impregnate many women. That's not something religion is cool with either. Sorry about that. Here's the news. Oh, hang on. There you go. Base housing U.S. troops in eastern Syria. The attack, which targeted the El Omar base in Deir al-Jur province, did not result in any casualties among U.S. troops. This incident marks a new escalation in hostilities in the region and coincides with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken's fifth visit to the area since the October 7th attack on Israel by Hamas. The militia, part of the Islamic resistance in Iraq, an umbrella group of Iran-backed Iraqi militias, 
released a video claiming the attack and showing a drone launch. This follows a previous drone attack by the same group in late January, which killed three U.S. troops and wounded others at a base in Jordan. In response to these attacks, the U.S. military has carried out retaliatory strikes against Iran-backed militant groups in Iraq and Syria, as well as targeting the Houthis in Yemen. The British Royal Navy's HMS Queen Elizabeth, its largest military vessel, will not participate in the upcoming NATO war games due to an unexpected issue with one of its propeller shafts. This issue was discovered during routine pre-sailing checks, rendering the aircraft carrier unfit for the exercise. As a result, the HMS Prince of Wales, the carrier's sister ship, will replace it in the NATO drills. The HMS Prince of Wales would set sail for the exercise as soon as possible. The Ministry of Defense clarified that the Queen Elizabeth's problem is not related to previous technical issues faced by the Prince of Wales, which was commissioned in late 2019 and has undergone months of repairs for various problems, including those affecting at least two floors. The HMS Queen Elizabeth has also encountered several technical difficulties during its service, including issues with its propeller. Australia recently participated in Exercise Keen Edge, a military exercise traditionally exclusive to the United States and Japan, signaling the evolving nature of the AUKUS partnership. This exercise, held in Hawaii and mainland Japan, was designed to assess combat readiness in response to regional security challenges. Key objectives, including testing communication across various locations, enhancing interoperability of computer systems, and practicing command and control in dynamic situations. The Australian Defence Force emphasized the importance of this participation in a statement issued on February 2nd, highlighting its role in improving collaboration and operational coordination. The inclusion of Australia in Keen Edge 24 marks a significant expansion from its historical format as a bilateral U.S.-Japan activity. Australian Defence Minister Richard Marles acknowledged this development as a demonstration of Australia's commitment to bolstering security cooperation and contributing to regional stability. Chile is grappling with severe forest fires that erupted two days ago, predominantly impacting the central region. The blazes have been especially intense around Viña del Mar, a prominent city known for its beach resort and music festival. The city's historic botanical garden, established in 1931, was devastated by the fires. In Viña del Mar and neighboring areas, over 1,600 people have lost their homes, with 200 individuals reported missing amid the crisis. The fires have trapped residents in several neighborhoods of the city's eastern edge, leading to a significant number of casualties and missing persons. As of Sunday, the death toll had escalated to 112, as reported by Chile's Forensic Medicine Service. Chilean President Gabriel Boric expressed concerns that the number of fatalities could increase further as rescue efforts continue and due to the critical condition of some hospitalized individuals. Governor Rodrigo Mundaca raised suspicions that some of the fires might have been set intentionally. The situation remains dire with ongoing efforts by firefighters and authorities to control the fires and manage their devastating consequences. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. This has been James O'Neill for TNT. The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all. (laughs) 
at tntradio.live. All right, it's four minutes uh, past seven o'clock. Very good morning. Let's look at the weather, and uh, we have got some weather for you. And uh, But first of all, look at the highs right across the country and the temperatures right across the main centres of New Zealand as well. The high right now is Kaikoura down on the west coast where the whale watchers uh, are, 23.8 degrees for them. Palmerston North, the lowest temperature there in the country, the extremes we're looking at, 10.2. Castle Point's the windy, is 46 kilometres of wind blowing through there at the moment. Milford Sound have uh, two... 0.1 millimetres of rain. The temperatures across the country, Stewart Island 16 degrees, the Chatham 17. Invercargill's on 19, not bad for this time of the morning. 22 degrees in Dunedin. Timaru's on 18, Christchurch 17, Blenheim 11. Nelson 14 and we're looking at Westport there, 12 degrees on the west coast. Uh, France Joseph 13 degrees in Queenstown 19. In Wellington 17 degrees, uh, Masterton still sitting on 13 which it was an hour ago. Palmerston North also 13, New Plymouth uh, is 12 degrees. And uh, we've got uh, the, where is it? Oh, I've got the mouse that changed it from Marrow name there. Uh, Napier, 15 degrees in Napier. Tarpo and Rotor are both on level pegging at 16 degrees today. Uh, what have we got? Gisborne there, 13. I don't know why it's so cool. It'll be warming up today, though. And Waitangi is going to be nice and warm today, 24 degrees. Uh, inland, it's going to be 27. Absolute perfect conditions for the Waitangi celebrations, which are being held up there at Waitangi. To, uh, it's seven minutes past, I think it is. Is Tauranga, uh, 17 degrees. Auckland, 15. Hamilton's on 11. Whangarei and Kaitai are both on 13 at the moment, but you can expect highs of around about um, yep, 24, 20, uh, 27 degrees. I think it's inland, it's going to be about 27 degrees, and on the coast, uh, 24, I think. But we'll find out from uh, Philip Murray a little bit uh, after this. Uh, for all of the North Island, also for Nelson and Buller, generally fine weather today. Uh, you've got a few cloudy areas in the morning and the evening. Uh, for the for the far north, uh, Marlborough. It's a beautiful day actually. Sun's coming up. It's going to be lovely here. Marlborough and Canterbury, fine and hot with areas of high cloud. For Westland, occasional rain and uh, that's south of the glaciers. Fine and cloudy periods elsewhere. Otago and Southland mostly fine with high cloud, but rain at times about Southland and Clutha. Fiordland periods of rain with heavy falls. Chatham Islands fine weather apart from cloudy uh, periods this evening. The extended forecast for Wednesday, rain for Westland, Fiordland, Southland and Otago. Sorry about that. Generally fine elsewhere. On Thursday for Westland and Buller, you've got rain there, but it's going to be easing later on in the day. On Thursday, uh, you've got showers for uh, Southland and Fiordland, also spreading up the east and south island, reaching Wellington later on Thursday. Mainly fine elsewhere. For Friday, showers about the eastern North Island and occasional early showers in Canterbury. Uh, right through to Marlborough, and it's all going to be clearing on Friday, mainly fine elsewhere. And the extended forecast for the Chatham Islands, uh, fine weather, north-westerlies on Wednesday, right through to Thursday. Then you've got showers with strong south-westerly change there happening. Uh, that's on Thursday. Then you've got showers uh, clearing and strong south-westerlies easing on Friday. That's news and weather to eight minutes past, I think it is, yes, it is eight minutes past seven. Very good morning to you, and uh, we've got Douglas Murray coming up. Uh, I had, um, we're also going to hear from Sam Bailey as well, a clip from her. Uh, I think that's uh, pretty much what I've got lined up there. I had Catherine Tate, another one from her, but I don't think I'll, well, we've had a, too much comedy. You can't have too much. Uh, you don't want to be laughing all morning, do we? No, let's get down to the business. Uh, we'll be there in a moment. If you want to stay sharp during the day, 
You got to eat foods that don't spike your glucose. When you hit yourself with three teaspoons of white sugar, you're frying your brain. So like me drinking this coffee right Very now. Very bad. Fried. Well, you shouldn't put sugar in it. If you just simply change your diet, you're going to be much sharper. That's absolutely right. Yep, absolutely right. I totally agree with that. That's why I like to play these things. Okay, um, so I'm having a coffee at the moment. I love coffee. Uh, that's one of my vices. Uh, but I put, um, I put honey in mine. We've got honey here. We've got bees on the farm, and it's a wonderful thing. It's not like golden syrup, which is full of sugar, uh, full of, and just as he said, just fries your brain, just makes you stuffed for the rest of the day, makes you tired, you feel lethargic, and you've got no energy. You know, I don't think I'd be able to get up uh, at four o'clock every morning and be on air by five o'clock. If I was uh, back on my um, high, I, was, I mean, I had a lot of carbohydrates and I weighed 88 kgs uh, less than a year ago. Um, a couple of days ago, three days ago, I was 71, over 71 kilograms. And I just weighed myself this morning because I've been doing quite a bit of work. I've just eased back a little bit on the beef. Uh, that's all I, I live on, beef and cheese. I live on all prote- protein food and um, my teeth haven't fallen out yet. Uh, I get uh, organs when I um, from the animal, uh, kidneys and liver, very, very good for you. Rich, rich food. The best thing, because it's all a lie. We live on, on this earth, and uh, the, the God of this world tells, um, tells the, um, the children of disobedience all the things that, that will kill us. He hates our guts because we're, we're created in the image of God, and every time he looks at us, he sees God, so he just hates us. And so he, he wants us um, living, uh, you know, and there's money to be made as well selling carbohydrates. It's a cheap way to feed people, you know, peasant food, rice and, um, you know, potatoes and uh, all those things just make you fat and silly, really. You need, you need protein in your diet. That's the rocket fuel. That is the aircraft fuel for uh, the human being is protein. And they're saying that we should eat less, but it's a lie. You should eat more. And they're saying that butter was bad for you. You know, you shouldn't eat butter. It's bad for your heart. No, no, no. Nonsense. What's bad for your heart is getting jabbed. <laughs> That's bad for your heart. And we heard from the Surgeon General, didn't we, in Florida, and it looks as though uh, that we're not out of the woods with that one. Uh, all, all the people that have been jabbed, you know, it looks as though that that thing uh, was really bad. And it really, they, don't, they skirted around it, but I think uh, it's all designed to kill us uh, and to kill our children as well. And if it doesn't make you infertile, it'll make your kids, it'll, you know, your kids just going to be terrible, just handed from one generation to the next, this thing that's been injected into us. Uh, absolutely horrendous it is. Um, Douglas Murray, he's got a chilling warning uh, to the uh, inst- really the Australian government. Have a listen to this. This week, our Prime Minister joined the leaders of New Zealand and Canada in calling for a ceasefire in Gaza, expressing alarm at the diminishing safe space for civilians in Gaza. Australia's position on this war is now utter nonsense. You cannot, as the Prime Minister's shared statement does, on the one hand, recognise that Hamas must return the hostages and be removed from power, and on the other hand, call for a ceasefire, which would mean Hamas remains in power and repeats October 7th as quickly as possible and as many times as possible, which is exactly what they have threatened to do. Then at the United Nations, our Australian representative voted in favour of the aforementioned UN ceasefire resolution that didn't even mention Hamas by name, much less condemn it in any way, shape or form. That resolution passed despite Israel and America voting against it. The UK cowardly abstained. This is a complete betrayal of Israel by those in the West. 
who for weeks have, as our Prime Minister has, turned a blind eye to rampant anti-Semitism, which history attests has destroyed humanity and civilizations before. In the meantime, Hamas continues to spill the blood of the very Palestinian people they claim to fight for, while continuing to slaughter innocent Israelis, including those they took hostage. I've said it a thousand times before, I'll say it a thousand times more. Every single drop of Gazan blood spilled in this conflict is on Hamas's hands. These people are animals. And yet in the United Nations eyes and in the eyes of our Western leaders, it seems, it is Israel who needs to cool it with the war crimes. Joining me now is a staunch Israel ally, the author of best-selling books such as The War on the West, The Strange Death of Europe, and Islamophilia, a very metropolitan malady. Douglas Murray. Douglas, thanks so much for being with us this evening. Great to be with you. Cheers. What do you make of these domino prime ministers falling straight into Hamas's basically only media strategy, which is use though the suffering of those that we are creating uh use it to win the hearts and minds of the west by merely pointing the finger straight at israel even though we're the very cause for it yeah i i think it's you, you put your finger on it uh, that's exactly what Hamas do. Hamas targeted innocent civilians in Israel on October the 7th. And it's a pretty unique terror organization, Hamas, because or an unusual one, because, yes, it then wishes to use any innocent civilians in Gaza as a, a collateral to their, well, or indeed the main attack point for their war. Um, I mean, no other... Uh, I, mean, I can't think of an army that has behaved like this in history, um, which is one of the reasons why you know, Hamas is not an army. It's a terror group. It literally puts civilians in front of its own terrorists. It literally puts civilian buildings above its own terrorist infrastructure, its weapons storage units, its missile storage, and indeed its leaders. This is a sort of cowardly way in which Hamas acts. Um, but as, as for the Australian government, uh, I think it's been a lamentable episode. Um, immediately after yeah, October yeah. 7th, the Australian government said that they would stand staunchly beside Israel and for civilised values. Um, we then see the first vote at the UN, and the Australian government quite rightly doesn't vote for this ceasefire because it doesn't condemn Hamas. And then exactly the same motion comes back a little while later at the UN, and uh, the Australian government goes with it. Uh, it shows a terrible lack of leadership. But I would add one other thing. It shows that the current Australian government is very easily swayed. Mm. It shows that you just have to have, in this case, like one Muslim minister who breaks ranks and should have been fired for breaking ranks and not having collective responsibility, but breaks ranks and is then not fired. And instead, the government adapts to his point of view. You have that. And then you have the, the fact that, you know, some thousands of Australian um, Hamas supporters and weirdo leftist activists turn out on the streets of Australian cities, like in other Western cities. The fact that these people turn out seems to have done a great deal to persuade the Australian government. Well, I would have a warning for them, which is watch out because other people will get in on that trick. When people scent the blood in the water, scent that you're this easily swayed and influenced, my goodness, other people are going to be coming at you as well. 
I don't think there's a, many Australians who would disagree that we have an incredibly weak government. And I've said from the very beginning, this Prime Minister has always been pro-Palestinian. You can watch videos of him with uh, very youthful looks, talking very passionately for the pro-Palestinian cause. On to other news now. I've got to get your thoughts on the US House of Reps has, of course, voted on Wednesday to launch an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden to examine whether he improperly benefited from his son's Hunter's foreign business dealings. I mean, Reuters says they've done this even though they have yet to find evidence of wrongdoing. That seems to be straight out of the Dems playbook. But is this Christmas come early or what, Douglas? Obviously, we've got the bank reports. We've got Devon Archer, Hunter's former business partner's testimony. Uh, we know that there's not no evidence. Are you hopeful mm. this inquiry will at last reveal the extent of that family's corruption? Well, I'm hopeful that it could try to get a bit closer to the truth. Hunter Biden gave a press conference this week uh, in which he, he, he said, you know, I'm here. Uh, people say, where's Hunter? Well, I'm here. And you think, yeah, like six years after everyone was asking. <laughs> Five years, three years. I mean, it, it's a really remarkable thing to sort of present himself as having been always open for for, for questioning and always <laughs> keen to answer any press queries or indeed uh, legal queries. He's, he's done exactly the opposite, and and he did a. I mean, uh, you know, he did a very interesting move, which was that he, uh, perhaps the inevitable one, doubtless, you know, PR'd to death beforehand. Uh, but he he appealed to the sort of sympathies of the public. You know, he kept referring. To the fact that his life had been in disarray, that he mm. referred to his brother, he referred to his father, um, he talked about you know his, his addiction problems and all that, and and indeed you know that his life had been in disarray because of his addiction problems around the time some of the allegations happened. Now this is a very interesting thing, of course, because he does play to you know in America you've always got a kind of 50-50 political divide um there will be some people who who will look at that and will say poor hunter um you know everyone's sympathetic to people with addictions and people who who you know wrecked their lives in some way which he certainly has albeit in a very privileged way um there will be some people who look at that and actually feel sorry for him and think yeah kind of lay off I mean, it's true that, you know, as he said, it, it's embarrassing for him. Uh, naked photos of himself have gone all around the world. They've been held up in the house. But, but, but just calling for pity or sympathy doesn't seem to me to be really enough because Hunter Biden still has serious questions to answer about his business dealings. He talked about how proud he was uh, to have been on the board of several companies. But he didn't say why he was on the board of those companies or what he brought to them or what his work was or indeed what the family cut was. We know from some of the leaked emails that were on the laptop uh, that there was there were kickbacks within the family. So he can have our sympathy, but only after he's been frank and full and and honest about what actually went on. And I think a lot of people realize he just hasn't been. The family haven't been. Everyone else can see the influence peddling operation that seems to have been going on, which is, I have to say, endemic within American politics. But uh, uh, I think that you know he can only he can only get the kind of sympathy he wants if he's also frank and that. That seems to be a million miles away at the moment. He seems to be taking his best stab at it, though, doesn't he? Like, look at me being authentic. I'm here. I'm ready to talk. <laughs> God help us. Sorry.
And then he didn't, of course. Uh, yes, and he then he didn't. He answer questions that didn't. Of course. I can't wait for this inquiry. As we know, it'll have far greater reaching powers to demand what people need to see, hence the point of an impeachment inquiry. Douglas Murray, thank you so much for your time this evening. Uh, 20 minutes past seven o'clock, and yeah, that was Sky News over there. Fantastic, really. I like Sky News. I like GB News, who also on TNT is my favourite. Uh, if you like talkback and you like news that's unbiased, I think TNT Radio would be the place to be. TNT Radio. Live. Coming up, we'll go into the latest news bulletin from Sky News. But uh, before we do, let's uh, just have a quick look around the newspapers. Uh, also, uh, just after five, we talked about what happened on this day in history. 6th of February, if you're having a birthday today, happy birthday to you. Of course, we know the 6th of February, and it wasn't yesterday I was going on about yesterday. I was so tired. I did two late nights, so I think it was three and four in the morning there over the weekend. And, uh, boy, it takes a while to catch, you know, to catch up on sleep. And uh, I was putting together... Uh, some new playlists for the radio program there. You know, the best of the 70s, 80s, 90s and the noughties. That's uh, what we do. Uh, we, yesterday, we couldn't couldn't even go live yesterday. So, uh, but anyway, it was some good music. We had plenty of listeners uh, listening to the music yesterday. Now, the Treaty of Waitangi was signed, of course, in 1840. More than 40 chiefs signed the Treaty uh, with the British Crown in the Bay of Islands. The Treaty of Waitangi remains controversial. It does because people can't understand um, words. They want to change the meanings of words. Just look in the dictionary. That needs to be our term of reference, uh, Oxford or Cambridge Dictionary, for the meanings of words. Ceding your sovereignty means exactly that. It means you don't have any more sovereignty. 1871, the first public girls' school opened, uh, the first secondary school in the Southern Hemisphere was Otago Girls, and that was after the public boys' school. Uh, that was a um, high school, it was Otago Boys. On this day was Otago Girls that opened. And 1947, the liner Wanganilla refloated in Wellington Harbour. The liner carrying 400 passengers struck Barrett Reef in Wellington Harbour on the 19th of January. Only an unusually long spell of calm weather, fine weather, dubbed the Wanganui Weller weather by, well, uh, by locals in Wellington there, saved it from becoming a total wreck. Those things happened on this day. In history, let's go back to Radio New Zealand and we've got the live dawn service there. If you go to rnz.co.nz, you can watch that. And traffic chaos as thousands attend the Waitangi Treaty Grounds. Thousands of people have streamed into the Northland town for the early service. Camembert cheese and also brie cheeses have been recalled because of uh, poop <laughs> E. coli has been found in some batches of the uh, of that cheese from the Waimata Cheese Company. Uh, they're being recalled due to a possible presence of E. coli. Earthquake-prone buildings deadline could get quite messy, apparently. The deadline draws nearer. Uh, owners have to fix their earthquake-prone buildings in Masterton. And uh, I don't, that's going to be interesting. They might shut them down. Investigation uh, on their on site. Investigate fire investigators. The house was well ablaze when firefighters uh, they arrived early on uh, Tuesday morning to this morning. And uh, we just have a look at that fire. Find out where that was. I think it was Auckland. Just come through. Yep, fire uh, fire crews have put out a house fire in Auckland suburb of Mount Roskill this morning. Fire and emergency said it received multiple reports of a single story house on fire at three o'clock this morning. When the fire crews arrived, they found the house well ablaze and called for backup. No one was found inside and four crews quickly put it out. Good on you, boys and, and ladies as well. Uh, a fire investigator is on site uh, to find out what the cause of that fire is. 24 minutes past seven here at the World at Five with Grant Edwards. And Botox, this is on rnz.co.nz, Botox treatment 
goes wrong after a doctor tells assistant to administer the injection. Woman is facing adverse reactions after a doctor told an unqualified person to do her Botox treatment. <laughs> Ever done a, a study? I've, I tell you this. You, you said that at five o'clock. Yeah. And then you said it again at six o'clock. You know, ever done a study with words end in X? Yeah. Well, you've got a repetition as a key to learning, Digger. Uh, anyway, and the 660 band, the founding member, his name is Eli Piewhite, he is to leave the band. Uh, he played drums for 660 since the hugely successful Kiwi band was formed in Dunedin in 2008. And he's announced that he will be retiring from the role after two final shows this month. And watch out for those sea lion pups uh, down in Dunedin. Their dog owners and others are being asked to treat, tread carefully around ferociously cute little sea lion pups, which are now emerging from their hidey holes around Dunedin. And at Waitangi Day in the South Island, thousands are expected uh, to, um, I think it's uh, the South Island's longest running commemoration. Thousands of people are expected to attend the this uh, Waitangi Day commemoration in Banks Peninsula, O'Kines Bay today, uh, following two years of uh, COVID uh, pandemic-related cancellations. Tama Iti, he brings the haka atia to Waitangi. Tama Iti, that's the little man. It's actually Tami, I think, isn't it? Yes, Tami. You don't say Tami. Tam, Tammy, like you do. You can't pronounce Maori words. And you, you got top mark when you're at RNZ for your Maori pronunciation. Now look at you. You've gone to a, you've gone to the pack. I know I have. Anyway, Tama Iti, uh, which means little, and he is quite short. I've met him. I've had a talk with him. Uh, sh- uh, shook his hand actually. <laughs> I don't know if I should. I did actually like the way he was. He was there with uh, in a in a where was that? It was in Wakatani. Um, yeah, Wakatani. Uh, it was, and uh, he's in a restaurant, a cafe there, and I, he was there. And it was he was with a woman, and I didn't like the way he was actually treating her actually. Didn't didn't seem very didn't seem like he doesn't seem like a very nice person to me. Uh, anyway, uh, they say he's a terrorist involved in terrorism, and of course, um, I like it. I like the way he wears the European hats. And he look quite funny. He's got the tats as well. And uh, anyway, he's in the treaty grounds, and he puts on a display that was part uh, po. I just say poetry, but it's pofiti. That's how they like to pronounce it, uh, or part art piece. They say lab workers. They continue to strike. Uh, this is rnz.co.nz. Lab workers continue to strike over a pay dispute. Uh, They have accused the country's largest privately owned lab company of bleeding New Zealanders of millions of dollars in profits while paying some qualified staff less than the minimum wage. And uh, Peters was booed and Seymour was drowned out and Luxon reflects uh, coalition government has faced a confronting reception at Waitangi yesterday. Corrections releases a timesheet to better uh, processes at the prisons. Prison Watchdog has made more than 100 recommendations following an inquiry into the country's worst prison riot, but Corrections has not accepted them all. Police are still working to identify the human remains found in Porirua. They were found in a park down there. The park still remains open. Medical centre's failure to refer patients to a urologist has led to, uh, the, or, well, not patients, but a patient, uh, has led to a um, to his death, according to a report. A medical centre has been asked to apologise to the family of a man who died after complications from prostate cancer. Also, um, let's move away from RNZ now, and uh, we'll go to the New Zealand Herald. You'll find them at nzherald.co.nz. And King Charles has been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, this has just come out. King Charles has been diagnosed with cancer. Buckingham Palace said in a statement early this morning, 
the statement from the palace says that during the king's recent hospital procedure for benign prostate enlargement, a separate issue uh, of concern was noted. Subsequent diagnostic tests have identified a former a form of cancer. Uh, they say that His Majesty uh, has today uh, commenced a schedule of regular treatments, during which time he's been advised by doctors to postpone public-facing duties. And uh, throughout his period, His Majesty will continue to undertake state business and official paperwork as usual. Medical conditions by the royal family, uh, sorry, of the royal family, are generally kept from the public. But the palace said that the king wanted to make his diagnosis known to, quote, prevent speculation and hopes that it may, quote, uh, assist public understanding for all those around the world who are affected by cancer. Well, good on you, mate. Good on you, and that's um, sad news, actually. And uh, but he is—he um, has a homeopathic garden. He has a number of homeopathic doctors uh, around him. The king, he is uh, the royal family. They are um, patrons of homeopathy. If it wasn't for the royal family's patronage, we wouldn't have the in the United Kingdom. I think in London, there's uh, a number of homeopathic hospitals there. We had one in New Zealand as well. Uh, it was in Princess Street in the late 19th century, but of course the land was bought by a pharm- pharmaceutical company who are the enemy. Pharmaceutical was the um, uh, they get it. The, the the name is derived from the Greek, which is pharmakia, translated in the King James Bible as sorcery. Uh, so there it is. Uh, so you know you won't we won't make a liar out of God. How often do I say that? You know, saying you just keep repeating. You just keep repeating yourself. I mean, Lisa says that about you. She she can't bear to listen to you because you just keep repeating yourself. Well, re- repetition is the key to learning. That's what I say. Yeah, you say that too all the time. Anyway, so the Daily... <laughs> Look, you little... Go and put the belly on. <laughs> the Daily Telegraph reports that news was announced by the palace after the Prime Minister was informed and after Charles personally told Prince William. So I think we're going to see uh, if, if things turn to custard for the prince. Let's hope he's got some good homeopathic advice there and doesn't listen to the sorcerers in the allopathic side of medicine. Uh, so it looks like Prince William might be the king uh, if uh, things don't go well. Let's hope and pray that things go well for them, even though I'm not fond of him. He's um, pushing the world, uh, what do they call themselves, uh, World Economic Forum, the WIF. He's, um, he's one of the insiders there. So I, I don't like uh, what he's doing, but as a person, uh, he's a human being. And uh, you know, let's just hope that he um, is like his mother, that he eventually, that he repents of his sins and he turns to the Lord Jesus Christ as his saviour instead of going uh, going on the way he's going. Let's hope he changes. Uh, I I don't know. Let's uh, let's hope so. Anyway, uh, Billy Graham had a huge impact on the you know the um, wonderful um, speaker and evangelist Billy Graham in the United States when he visited the United Kingdom. He had a few meetings with um, Queen Elizabeth II. And um, she was uh, really touched, and her life was changed after meeting Billy Graham. And so, he, anyway, Prince Charles, he's personally told Prince William, Prince Harry, Princess Anne, uh, Prince Andrew, and also Prince Edward. No details about the type of cancer Charles has been diagnosed with have been released as a result, but I'd say it could be bowel cancer or you know prostate cancer even. Uh, as a result of Charles' diagnosis, he will have have to cancel multiple engagements in the upcoming weeks, with the palace spokesman telling the news outlet, regrettably, uh, a number of kings, the king's uh, forthcoming public engagements will have to be rearranged and postponed. They say His Majesty would like to apologise to all those who have been disappointed and inconvenienced 
but as a subsequence of this. Prime Minister Rishi Shunak, he wishes the king a full and speedy recovery following the news. Uh, talking on X, Sunak said, wishing His Majesty a full and speedy recovery. I have no doubt he'll be back to full strength in no time, and I know the whole country will be wishing him well. Concerns were raised last month when the Daily Mail reported the 75-year-old monarch who had um, was only expected to stay in hosp- the hospital clinic for about two nights following his operation for an enlarged prostate, which remains uh, remain under doctor's supervision for another night. Remember that? He was later released on January the 30th, and appeared in good spirits. He has since uh, been seen uh, waving to onlookers, and as he walked to church at Sandringham Estate in Norfolk on Sunday local time, his first public sighting since he was discharged from hospital. Queen Camilla, it's incredible, isn't it? This couple of um, people, really. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're a couple of adulterers. If <laughs> you think about it, aren't they? He was having an affair with Diana all along there, um, you know, Gosh, I mean, you know, I mean, I I go with polygamy, uh, polygyny, I should say, not polygamy, polygyny. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's not really accepted as far as they're concerned, is it? Is he really? And uh, poor old, I feel a bit sorry for poor old Diana. But people, I've actually met people that actually worked for the royal family when I was over in the UK in '96, and there was one guy, who's a homosexual fellow. He's very funny though, and he said to me that um, the Queen was fantastic. She'd pat the seat down. Uh, say, come and sit down. Come on, rest your, rest your legs. We're not on yet. And it was just like a show, really. It was like they were going on stage. She was lovely, apparently. They were all wonderful, uh, except for Diana. He didn't like her. He said he, that she treated staff poorly. And um, But the Queen was lovely. Come and sit down. Pat the seat. Come and sit down. Rest your legs, Richard. And um, then she said, right, we're on. And everyone had to get up and, um, you know, and then she <laughs> went back to being... Uh, the royal that she was, but, you know, she was just a lovely person, Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, Queen Camilla, uh, it's hard to believe that, <laughs> what do they call a horse face? It's hard to believe that we're calling her Queen, isn't it? This flipping woman, you know, that was, um, yeah, just, I don't know, it's just how quickly we forget. People forget, don't they? Anyway, um, it's been, uh, she's been confronting the public engagements as the king's, in the king's absence, and during the visit to Maggie's Cancer Centre at the um, at the Royal Free Hospital in North London, I don't know if whether that's homeopathic or not, but I know that they are great sponsors of that. Oh, it's um, 26 minutes away from 8 too as well. Uh, apparently, uh, the Royal Family Hospital in North London, that is, the Queen, she said that he is he's getting on. You know, they say, oh, how is he getting on? Uh, doing his best. You know, that's how they talk, isn't it? Yeah. All right. The palaces, they initially, the initial statement about the king's health uh, stated kings wanted to be transparent in the hopes of inspiring other men to consult their doctors about the benign condition. Gosh, I'd, I'd consult my homeopath. I wouldn't uh, be consulting any of the sorcerers <laughs> that are still left. All the good doctors have gone. They left. Uh, they were either told to leave because they were telling people not to get the, an experimental biological agent. And we now know it's all true. But here in this country, I just can't believe it. They're still pushing for these boosters. I've called my rooster booster. <laughs> and that was one of the listeners. He texted me and said, oh, if you want to text too, yeah, give us a call there. And uh, text is um, 021, New Zealand, 64, 021. Um, 732423, 021 732 423. You can send me a text if you like. Oh, now um, I'll be in trouble. They want me to check. Over at, uh, let's see, Rumble, probably no one there, just a few, just three, not very many, and no chat, so that's good. So I have done my bit, I am checking, 
Uh, what have we got there happening? No, nothing at all there. Okay, very good. Most of our listeners are on the streaming apps because I suppose when you're driving, that's the way to go. Now, uh, so there we are. We'll leave it there, I think. And uh, yes, let me uh, get back to where I was uh, 24 minutes away from seven. And uh, now I'm all confused now as to what I'm doing next. Never mind. Well, Sam Edwards is coming up to talk about Winston Peters and the no jab policy. Oh, that's what I wanted to do. Um, just have I finished that digger? I don't know. You didn't finish it about the, the king. All right, well, I'll finish that. Uh, where was I? What, where, did I, where was I looking at that? Was that over at um, RNZ? Uh, no, it was at New Zealand Herald, wasn't it? Yeah. Speaking to People magazine, a source said about the King's diagnosis, it was sensible to be open about it, um, as otherwise people might have the worst thoughts. They will. The tactic appears to have worked. Well, they're still spinning it. You know, he's got cancer, cancer of the, probably the bowel cancer or prostate cancer. Uh, it actually doesn't look very good there. The photograph, you can see him there with um, with Camilla, uh, you know, the couple of adult- adulterers <laughs> there with some, looks like he looks a bit of a, like a homo a priest there in a woman's dress there, <laughs> right down to his Doc Martens. Oh, gosh, why is it the Anglican priests, they all look like uh, strange people, don't they? They all look a bit uh, sort of like um, flip-flops, really. Um, they just look, they're just they're wishy-washy. You know, people like Latimer, uh, you know, uh, the Anglicans, Latimer, who was burnt at the stake with Ridley. Um, those men would be so shocked now to see what's happened to the Anglican Church. They've gone back to Rome. Uh, they have. Uh, the infiltration, of course, the Counter-Reformation. What, why is it all happening? Well, the Counter-Reformation, which was the Jesuits, they, they were involved in that. The reformation of the Catholic Church, where, where the protesters and Roman Catholic priests protested against the pretensions of the Roman Catholic system of religion, nothing to do with the people. The people of the church, not the buildings. And so the people there, um, you know, we all love those people. And that's why we warn them about the, about the wickedness of that Babylonian system of religion, which they're in. It's just they're pretending that it's a wonderful system, but it's actually the enemy of the Lord's people. People that are Bible believers that are inside the church uh, should actually read and believe their Bible and come out. They shouldn't be involved in it. But what's happened is the, um, the, when, when the Reformation happened in Europe, it swept across Europe and of course the Roman Catholic Church they lost a lot of money lost tracts of land all through Europe and also then eventually in the Protestant Reformation in the United Kingdom and they lost all this uh, you know just just a hot continents not just you know countries but continents of income coming in from indulgences people paying for um, money for mass you know the mass how and priests would just attach themselves to to your family and just sort of you know bleed you dry and we had Matt who sent me through a, um, a text yesterday talking about what happened in Ireland with the priests, all the money from tithes, which is just giving money uh, for mass. It's not really tithes over there. They call it um, indulgences. You know, you pay, you've done bad, bad things, you know, you've buried your neighbour or something like that, or, you've, you know, the, the mother-in-law, you've rolled her in um, sort of like Wyanetti or something and put her out and caught some, you know, for a week, you know, with a sinker and got some craze or something like that. <laughs> they do get, they're quite good. Mother-in-laws are quite good. You just wrap them in wire netting. And then just chuck them over, you know, and you'll you'll end up with pl- plenty of craze. They they seem to, to be attracted to mother-in-laws, but um, yeah. So that sort of thing, um, you can go and get an indulgence <laughs> and get off the hook. You know, Al Capone was a Roman Catholic. You know, it's a, it's a great religion if you are a gangster, <laughs> because you know you can go out and uh, you know machine gun people to death. 
uh, during the week, and then on Sunday you go along to maths and uh, go and talk to the priest, and then that's how they know, of course, all what's going on. The Roman Catholics, you know, back in the day, that was a really good way of of knowing the truth about what's really happening. The priest, you know, oh bless you, my son. Oh, Father, I've been bad this morning. That's right, isn't it, Digger? Yeah, that's that's right. Here they go. Um, Oh, Father, Father, I killed the cat. Yeah. Uh, He says, oh, he says, uh, you'll do penance for that. Yeah, then what did he say? I said, um, uh, the boy said, but Father, Father, it was a Protestant cat. Oh, he says, he says, here's sixpence for that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Very good. Very good to go. All right, 20 minutes away from 8, and uh, we'll leave the king there where he is. We're going over to um, Sky News now. We'll pick up the latest bulletin from Sky News, and uh, let's do that right now. Australian Chinese pro-democracy blogger Yang Hanjorn has been given a suspended death sentence by a Chinese court. Hanjorn was accused of espionage and put in detention in 2019. He was tried in a closed-door hearing in 2021. However, the verdict was not part publicly disclosed. Foreign Minister Penny Wong condemned the decision and assured that Australia would continue to advocate for Heng Jun's release. Police have charged a 15-year-old boy over his alleged role in stealing the car of murdered Brisbane grandmother Vileen White. He has not been charged with her alleged murder. Queensland Police thanked the community for providing information that has assisted detectives to identify further persons of interest. Two Victorian men have been arrested by federal police after 139 kilograms of cocaine was seized from a shipment of luxury buses. The interception was made in a joint operation between the Australian Border Force, Australian Federal Police and South Australia Police. Border Force officers found packages containing cocaine when the ship stopped in Fremantle en route to Adelaide. Authorities say the arrests were made after two men forced entry to the buses to retrieve the packages of substituted substance as they were being stored in Adelaide. New South Wales Treasurer Daniel Mookie is warning Sydney could become like San Francisco if proper action isn't taken on housing supply and affordability. He's told the Sydney Morning Herald the next decade will be critical for ensuring the city isn't faced with a market where only those with money from their family can afford to buy a home. The social cohesion and livability of Sydney is dependent on responding to the housing crisis, he says, citing growing housing and wealth disparity in cities in the northwestern United States. Mr Mookie says it's challenging Australia's egalitarian ethos. Much of Los Angeles and neighbouring cities have been issued a flash flood warning as a storm travels through California. Over 500,000 people are without power as meteorologists expect the weather to intensify. Winds of over 125 kilometres an hour have been recorded on the outskirts of Los Angeles. Areas affected by the flash flood warning include Santa Barbara, Palm Beach, Malibu, Beverly Hills and the Los Angeles International Airport. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan has refused to rule out a strike in Iran as Tehran warns military action by the West is fueling chaos and disorder. The U.S. conducted airstrikes on 85 targets across Iraq and Syria in response to an attack by Iranian-backed militia which killed three American soldiers. 
Yesterday, the US and UK carried out further airstrikes on Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen. But President Joe Biden is facing pressure from some Americans to strike in Iran itself. And you can now subscribe to stream Sky News channels and shows anytime for $5 per month. Visit skynews.com.au forward slash stream. Thank you very much. It's uh, 16 minutes away from 8 o'clock. We'll have TNT Radio News coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll go over to Philip Duncan now and we're looking at Weather Watch. You can find them at weatherwatch.co.nz. And Waitangi Day is going to be a similar to day to yesterday, Monday, with high pressure over the North Island. Uh, but those hotter, windier northwesters, they move up the country, lifting temperatures more in the upper South Island and the eastern North Island. And you've got heavy rain at times set into Fiordland. and uh, going to be cloudier weather down there. It spreads over parts of Southland and Otago. Otherwise, it's going to be dry elsewhere. Waitangi itself today, it's going to be sunny with light winds, sea breezes, 24 degrees on the coastline and 27 degrees Inland, Philip Duncan said it is a perfect day today up in the far north at Waitangi. All right, now I've got uh, IVF. What do you think about IVF? Do you think that's a good thing or not, having IVF? Let's find out. Uh, uh, what, find out the truth about IVF. 15 minutes away from eight. Did you do IVF so that you could get data on your embryos? Yeah, we had 26 embryos good to go, but we did a whole new round just to be able to do this because it's so much additional information. I see these embryos have health scores ranging from like negative 0.96 to like 1.9. The Titan here, who turned out to be the, the one we selected, had the best score from our own internal uh, like additional data calculations and genomic predictions best. So this is eugenics via IVF. 26 embryos, 26 human beings made in the image of God on ice that will probably be discarded. And then they're selecting them based on these scores that they have calculated. I mean, this is eugenics. We should be thinking and talking a lot more about the ethics of the reproductive industry and what really goes on when it comes to the creation and the selection of these people. Yeah, I absolutely. There you go. Eh? You're going in for IVF? What are you doing? Oh, boy. There we are. Okay, we're um, getting close to the news at um, 8 o'clock, 14 minutes away from uh, news time. Uh, Samantha Edwards, she's uh, talking about Winston Peters in her documentary, and you can find that over at counterspinmedia.com. Counterspin Media, while you're there, why not give them a donation? They need it. They're working very hard for us here. Uh, full support behind NZ Loyal as well. Uh, so, you know, people might find Calvin a bit, you know, rough and ready, uh, and uh, but uh, he's um, he's an honest man. He's a truthful man, and uh, I I, uh, I like I like what they're doing. And uh, so, Counterspin Media, make sure you give them their support. They're you know, there's there's just so, so, you, no one. If you've got people giving you money, the problem is they control you. Uh, no one controls Counterspin Media. They nothing goes out of Counterspin Media unless it's been triple checked. Uh, I've tried to put things there, which I've, I've thought I've done good research on, but it's been rejected by um, um, Counterspin simply because I didn't, I couldn't back up what I was saying. It's so important that we do that. And so, um, you know, full credit to the team at Counterspin Media doing a great job. And of course, they they're up. They're going to be up before the courts. Uh, they, the police um, uh, broke into their home, really, didn't they? Uh, and took all their took all their stuff, took all their camera gear, and so people have had to rally around and get new camera gear. Uh, they are a big threat. 
to this uh, to to um, with certainly the last communist government and now this fascist government. They're a they're a big threat to them and uh, the uh, bureaucrats in Wellington uh, because they know stuff and they they're working on it. And they won't release it until they've got all their facts and evidence, and then when it's released, you can be sure that it's going to be accurate. Here's Samantha Edwards, who is uh, one of the um, correspondents, and she's a documentary filmmaker. Uh, you can find her. I think she's SamanthaEdwards.com. She has huge. She has a huge following. Um, she's on um, uh, Band uh, dot Video and uh, also Mad Max TV. Uh, but the simplest way, I think, the easiest way is to go to Counterspin Media, look under the video section there, and you can see, I haven't been there for a while, I must go and have a look. In fact, a while this is, oh no, I won't, but it's only a short one. Uh, anyway, have a listen. For all those who don't have themselves and their children vaccinated with every vaccine on the official schedule, this is a policy that could accurately be then called a no-jab, no-income-at-all policy. Here's Chris Luxon on The Morning Report saying just that. Do you support cutting benefits to solo parents who don't vaccinate their children? Yes, I do. Why? Um, because it's about a notion of rights and responsibilities. If you want to be part of New Zealand and civil society, you have certain inalienable rights, but you also have responsibilities to actually for the collective and, and helping the collective of New Zealand. Why just target solo parents and probably solo mums, really, if we're talking about it? Should that it's be extended? Should it, should it be extended to cutting working for families benefits? It, it, yeah, it should. Yeah, it should. That's what you voted for, New Zealand. Could Winston's reluctance to hold the criminal responsible be partly because he was Deputy Prime Minister and even Acting Prime Minister for a time, signing off on the murderous COVID emergency laws that deliberately coerced people into receiving those very poisons? Not only would pointing out the crimes of Pfizer also point to something that he was very much complicit in, but it also wouldn't be good for New Zealand's future relationships with Big Pharma. Relationships that it appears that Winston would prefer to keep intact. And one other thing, wouldn't Winston's concern for the jab injured, if that's indeed what it is, have been evidenced at some other point along the way? Before now, like the actual real deal people's representative that decided to stand recently, who was loudly warning people about the dangers of the jab from the start and interviewing the jab injured over the last couple of years and trying to help them in any way she could. If Winston's concern for the jab injured was as real as hers, surely it wouldn't just coincidentally show itself in the few weeks leading up to the election. I mean, it almost makes it look as if he's trying to scoop up that large and ever-growing group that's awake and aware, perhaps injured, pat them on the shoulder, bribe them with promises of compensation and justice to get them back into the machine. That'd be a pretty low-down thing to do if that was the case. Anyway, there have been a number of other connections between Winston Peters and pharmaceuticals over the years. In September 2020, Winston Peters announced his cooperation and support for a global vaccine facility called COVAX. Launched by Gavi and in partnership with the World Health Organization, the World Bank and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Winston matter-of-factly notified Kiwis everywhere that he, on our behalf, had now pledged our support and significant financial investment into this project. 
According to this government release, we, being the people of New Zealand, expressed our interest in not only joining the COVAX facility, but also in investing an initial 27 million, as well as indefinitely continuing indeterminate amounts towards Bill Gates and the World Health Organization's research and development of more so-called vaccines, also known as bioweapons against humanity. It's never been revealed exactly how much that figure has grown to since then, but we do know that in 2020, Parliament, with Winston Peters as Deputy Prime Minister, had already approved $181 billion to be spent on COVID measures. I, for one, would really love to hear Winston answer to the public on this decision, preferably before he gets back into Parliament, to give away another few billion of our near-destitute nation's dollars to the globalists to aid their depopulation agenda. Does he regret that apostate, and when it comes down to it, murderous decision? Will he endeavour to have us withdrawn from the Gavi Alliance once in Parliament? And more importantly, will he endeavour to have us withdrawn as a member state of the World Health Organisation, especially in the light of the upcoming International Health Regulation Amendments that are set to see the violation of human rights go to a level that far exceeds the COVID mandates, where bodily autonomy is set to be stripped as a human right? The World Health Organisation is run by a man who cannot even step foot in his own home country because he's wanted for genocide and mass murder there. A veritable, bona fide genocidal maniac. Through the International Health Regulation Amendments and the Pandemic Treaty, our government is subjecting us to an organisation run by a man who it's well known has literally forcefully aided in exterminating an entire race of people through pharmaceuticals. Yes, our government would like to see us forced into a position of receiving the medicines the World Health Organization mandates for us at the advent of their declaration of a fake or public health emergency of international concern. Yes, a fake. <laughs> yes, they're mocking us. They know that we know. And this is an overt gloat about how blatant they can be and still get away with it. It is crucial to understand that at the advent of a fake, you'll not need symptoms or even testing to be required to submit to these IHRs, which upon investigation do indeed suggest the end of your bodily autonomy. How is it that we, the New Zealand public, can be aware of these issues of monumental importance, yet Winston hasn't stood up and spoken about them, ever? I've tried to contact him several times asking questions about the IHRs and have never received a response, even once. Surely, the impending denial of our right to decline untested and potentially poisonous pharmaceuticals is an important issue that we should be allowed to discuss, especially now that we know from the Immunisation Agenda 2030 report that the World Health Organisation has 500 new so-called vaccines poised to enter our routine vaccination schedule. With Winston sidling up to a coalition with National, he would then be going into a coalition with a party whose leader has already said he supports the idea of a no jab, no job and no benefit policy for all those who don't have themselves and their children vaccinated with every vaccine on the official schedule. This is a policy that could accurately be then called a no-jab, no-income-at-all policy. Here's Chris Luxon on The Morning Report saying just that. Do you support cutting benefits to solo parents who don't vaccinate their children? Yes, I do. Why? Um, because it's about a notion of rights and responsibilities. If you want to be part of New Zealand as a civil society, you have certain inalienable rights, but you also have responsibilities to actually for the collective and, and helping the collective of New Zealand. 
Why just target solo parents and probably solo mums, really, if we're talking about it? Should that be extended? Should it, should it be extended to cutting working for families benefits? It, it, yeah, it should. Yeah, it should. So the question here really is this. How will seeking jab compensation from our government, aka the taxpayer, be of any benefit in the long run if Winston won't stand up to future vaccine mandates, as are obviously planned for us? if he won't stand up to it being done all over again, this time with even more catastrophic ramifications. Given Luxon's appetite for mandatory vaccinations and his fondness that he's spoken of publicly for his friend, the poison-pushing Bill Gates, wouldn't Winston need to be in opposition to Luxon to make such a stand on our behalf instead of being in coalition with him? Four minutes away from the news at eight o'clock and the end of my programme. Now, Lord Sumpton, he is uh, in, in, over in the United Kingdom there. Leighton Smith talked to him uh, about the World Health Organisation and their plans for the world to come under their authority. Let's have a listen to that. Let me transfer the, the same subject to a different arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that is World Health Organisation. And it's present move to introduce a medical system that they would control under certain circumstances, and I I put in brackets limited to the moment only, under certain circumstances uh, that we would all, that all countries would sign up to and be obligated to, would be obliged to follow their orders. I have read the draft treaty. And I have to say, I don't read it as having that effect. It seems to me to provide for the uh, obligatory exchange of information uh, and uh, in some circumstances for the sharing uh, of um, medical resources such as vaccines. Um, I don't uh, understand it unless it's very recently been changed uh, to be conferring on the World Health Organization um, the right to order countries to engage in lockdowns or do any other particular thing other than share resources and information. So that you're suggesting that that interpretation of things is false uh, and we are being... Well, I, mean, and being... I have read the, the, the documents and I can't see that it says what the more... I mean, I, I would be very strongly opposed to suggestions that the World Health Organization... Um, uh, should be in a position to dictate uh, to a country's health um, um, administrations, partly because I don't think that that is consistent with any kind of de- democratic responsibility in those countries, and partly because the World Health Organization has a very poor record for for doing what it is already supposed to do, which is to act as a a warning of, of, of what's coming. The World Health Organization is a highly political organization. It's strongly influenced, as we saw during the COVID um, pandemic, uh, by certain countries, in particular China and to some extent the United States. Um, so I would be opposed to any such thing as you have suggested is proposed. But I do not understand that it is proposed. I may have missed something when I read the document, but I've read it more than once.
and I have to say that I have um, faith in your interpretation of things. Mm, I don't know if I do have faith, actually, Leighton, but, uh, well, you never know. Uh, I think it's been changed. I've heard that, uh, that perhaps the draft has been changed or perhaps uh, Lord Sumpton is uh, a bit of an insider. It's uh, hard to tell. Anyway, here is uh, Jordan Peterson talking about what acceptable attire is, and that will bring us up to the news uh, coming up at uh, 8 o'clock. Can you come to work in a negligee? No. How about boxers if you're a man? No. Okay, so there's some... What about a short skirt? Well, th- that, this is the thing. The devil's in the bloody details, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, we, you can't come to work naked. You can't come to work in boxer shorts. You can come to work in a suit. Okay, so the line is somewhere between boxers and suit. Where exactly is the line? Exactly. Can a well, man wear shorts? Well, if he can't, look, why way, can a woman wear a dress? The way that men... In, in professional organizations, the way that men solved this problem was that everyone wore a uniform. And a uniform makes you uniform. That's why you wear it. And- To hear a replay of this hour, go to episodes at tntradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban hopes the newly approved 50 billion euros EU aid package for Ukraine will be used to support civilians and prevent the collapse of the state rather than further militarization. Orban, who has consistently advocated for a ceasefire and peace talks between Ukraine and Russia, believes Ukraine cannot defeat Russia militarily. His stance, along with Hungary's resistance to sanctions against Russia and blocking of EU military aid to Ukraine, has led to criticism from Kiev and threats of counter-sanctions by the EU. Orban suggests that prolonging the war will lead to more casualties without changing the power balance in Ukraine's favor. He refers to Russian estimates of over 400,000 Ukrainian military casualties and mentions General Valery Zeluzhny's concerns about understaffing in the Ukrainian forces. Ukrainian President Zelensky also acknowledged a stalemate in combat operations. The British Royal Navy's HMS Queen Elizabeth, its largest military vessel, will not participate in the upcoming NATO war games due to an unexpected issue with one of its propeller shafts. This issue was discovered during routine pre-sailing checks, rendering the aircraft carrier unfit for the exercise. As a result, the HMS Prince of Wales, the carrier's sister ship, will replace it in the NATO drills, exercise steadfast defender. Fleet Commander Vice Admiral Andrew Burns stated that the HMS Prince of Wales would set sail for the exercise as soon as possible. The Ministry of Defense clarified that the Queen Elizabeth's problem is not related to previous technical issues faced by the Prince of Wales, which was commissioned in late 2019 and has undergone months of repairs for various problems, including those affecting at least two floors. The HMS Queen Elizabeth has also encountered several technical difficulties during its service, including issues with its propeller. Australia recently participated in Exercise Keen Edge, a military exercise traditionally exclusive to the United States and Japan, signaling the evolving nature of the AUKUS partnership. This exercise, held in Hawaii and mainland Japan, was designed to assess combat readiness in response to regional security challenges. Key objectives, including testing communication across various locations, enhancing interoperability of computer systems, and practicing command and control in dynamic situations. 
The Australian Defence Force emphasised the importance of this participation in a statement issued on February 2nd, highlighting its role in improving collaboration and operational coordination. The inclusion of Australia in Keen Edge 24 marks a significant expansion from its historical format as a bilateral U.S.-Japan activity. Australian Defence Minister Richard Marles acknowledged this development as a demonstration of Australia's commitment to bolstering security cooperation and contributing to regional stability. Chile is grappling with severe forest fires that erupted two days ago, predominantly impacting the central region. The blazes have been especially intense around Viña del Mar, a prominent city known for its beach resort and music festival. The city's historic botanical garden, established in 1931, was devastated by the fires. In Viña del Mar and neighboring areas, over 1,600 people have lost their homes, with 200 individuals reported missing amid the crisis. The fires have trapped residents in several neighborhoods of the city's eastern edge, leading to a significant number of casualties and missing persons. As of Sunday, the death toll had escalated to 112, as reported by Chile's Forensic Medicine Service. Chilean President Gabriel Boric expressed concerns that the number of fatalities could increase further as rescue efforts continue and due to the critical condition of some hospitalized individuals. Governor Rodrigo Mundaca raised suspicions that some of the fires might have been set intentionally, a theory previously suggested by President Boric. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. This has been James O'Neill for TNT. With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Right, it's four minutes past eight. Uh, very good morning to you if you just joined me. Well, I'm just about to head out, actually. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, you got to get on and do some work. You stuffed around yesterday on the radio station, didn't you? It was a beautiful day and you should have been out working. Yeah, but it was too hot to go. Too hot to work, so I worked late, if you remember. Oh, yeah, all right. Okay, you, how about you go and put the um, the kettle on again, put the jug on, and uh, I'll uh, tell the people what the weather's doing, shall I? Yeah, all right then. Kaikura is 24.4, that's the highest. These are the extremes. Blenheim is the lowest with 12.4 degrees. Castle Point, 44 kilometres of wind today. Milford Sound has 1.9 millimetres of rain falling at the moment. Temperatures right across the country. Chatham Island's uh, doing pretty well at 19 degrees. Stewart Island, 16 degrees. Invercargill, 19. Dunedin, 23 degrees. Timaru is on 17, Christchurch 18, Blenheim 12. Across to Nelson there, and they've got 15 degrees, Westport 13, also Franz Joseph. Uh, Queenstown's 19 degrees. Up in Wellington there, uh, Wellington 17, also Masterton and uh, Napier, all on 17 degrees. Palmerston North, 15 at the moment. Uh, New Plymouth has 14 degrees. Tarpo and Rotorua both on 16 and been that way for a couple of hours. Gisborne is uh, 16 also. Tauranga has 18 degrees at the moment. Hamilton 14, Auckland 17. Whangarei as uh, and also Kaitaia, 15 for Whangarei and uh, 13 degrees for Kaitaia. And it's going to be a beautiful day up in Waitangi, expecting 24 degrees today, beautiful fine weather, and 27 degrees inland. The short forecast for all New Zealand, uh, for the North Island, also Nelson and Bullard, generally fine weather today. Uh, you've got a few cloudy areas uh, this, after, uh, this evening, and also we've had some cloudy areas this morning. That uh, seems to be okay. Now, uh, Marlborough, Canterbury, fine weather, fine and hot, with areas of high cloud. In Westland, occasional rain south of the glaciers. And uh, glaciers, I should say. Is it glaciers or glaciers? Glaciers. Oh, okay. Uh, fine and cloudy periods elsewhere. Otago and Southland mostly fine with high cloud. 
but rain at times about Southland and Clutha. And what about Fiordland? Uh, Fiordland periods of rain today with heavy falls. Chathams. Uh, fine weather today. You've got um, some high cloud. There we are. And we won't worry about the extended forecast. We might, uh, or shall we? Uh, uh, nah, you'll be right. Uh, Chathams, you'll be okay out there. Lovely people out there at the Chathams. Got a friend in, in New South Wales who uh, has you had quite a bit to do with the Chatham Islands. She did fantastic. I want to go there. I'd like my son to sail me over there sometime. We have some fine weather in his boat. He's doing some great work on that boat. Boy, oh boy, he's um, he's redone the entire companionway. Uh, I gave him some a bit of, some bits of totra that we had, uh, that one there, that bit of firewood. Uh, gave him a length of about uh, oh, uh, one and a half meter, oh, big big length. He's cut it up with a table saw, and he's formed these beautiful and totra is wonderful. They used to build boats out of totra. Teak is, um, is used a lot, but totra is nothing wrong with that. Doesn't rot, and he's made a beautiful job actually. And I can't wait to go out and have a look at it and got all the rot out, and um, it was a wee bit of rot. But it's a pretty good boat. He's got a, an Easterly 30, and uh, he's having a lot of fun on that. I, and I love watching him play around in boats. Um, he's actually second officer uh, on foreign-going ships, and uh, so I think he's just got his orals to do. I think that's in June. I think he goes to Auckland to do his orals at Maritime School, and uh, then he'll be finished. Should have been finished you know, years ago, but the, the COVID pandemic uh, held up his plans. He didn't want to get the jab, and thank goodness he didn't. And uh, he's never had a vaccine, ever, in his life. Uh, couldn't stop the doctor. I was just a bit slow. Uh, they're putting the vitamin K in. I thought, oh, vitamin K, oh, that probably is all right. But apparently, no, according to Steve Kirsch, it is not all right. It's not uh, actually vitamin K. It's a uh, fake. And uh, so don't put anything in your child. Um, so that is news there and weather. Right, let's, uh, before I do anything else, I wanted to just give you some updates uh, in the South Island and uh, let's let's look at national news but the, it is national news I suppose uh, we're looking at the odt.co.nz and I'm um, looking at the Christchurch News that's the uh, the paper down there average house price in Queenstown Lakes it has uh, cost cost about two million dollars now the housing market in Queenstown Lakes has outperformed the rest of the country, leaving Auckland and all other major metros in the dust. And hybrid owners are trying to avoid road user charges. Kevin Parker's Highlander plug-in hybrid is getting getting on in age now, and its electric battery is down to about 15 kilometres of range, <laughs> even when fully charged. Uh, South Island mental health worker accused of paying sex, uh, paying paying uh, patient for sex. And, uh, yeah, the South Island mental health worker is under investigation after a formal complaint from a patient claiming he paid her for sex soon after she was released from the secure unit. Uh, thousands flock to Gibston Winery concert yesterday, despite frigid weather. Puffer jackets, beanies and blankets were all the order of the day, as most people at the Gibson Valley Winery uh, summer concert, not wasn't much of a summer for them yesterday, but I think things are pretty good today. There was a rousing haka in Waitangi as the coalition leaders welcomed to the Waitangi celebrations. A massive haka was performed as the Prime Minister Christopher Luxon arrived at Waitangi with two other leaders of the coalition government. And uh, what have we got here? Chloe Schwarbuck, she makes a bid to be the Greens co-leader. Schwarbuck wants to become the next Greens party leader as yeah, when James Shaw, he steps down in March. And uh, poor old, the poor old father of the um, Dunedin man that was killed at his, in his home on the 29th last month, uh, just uh, not long ago, uh, he is pleased that there has been an arrest 
uh, and, but he's still searching for answers as to why he died. Poor, terrible. Just, I just can't imagine losing my, my own son. Just be the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Um, uh, New Zealander was kicked off a plane. Do you remember that one? <laughs> New Zealander was kicked off uh, a plane. She's horrified to be uh, deplaned uh, from a flight after being told her decision not to wear a bra was against the carrier's dress code. And uh, who was that? Was it United or Delta? I can't remember. But it was her, I sent that around to a few friends uh, there on Messenger, and uh, they just couldn't, <laughs> couldn't believe it. Even though you know she's a lesbian, you know, dressed in man's clothes and, and man's shirt. Baggy pants, apparently, but no bra. And uh, they made a put. They wanted to put a jacket on. She says, "No, I'm not." And uh, oh, fair enough. You should be telling people what to wear. You know, you might not like. Just look the other way. Um, it's when you take a second look, isn't it? But I mean, I don't know if I'd want to take a second look at. Um, uh, I think that's when the sin creeps in. When you take a second look, you don't just look once. If you see that, oh, you just turn the other way. Uh, now, okay, uh, police. They may be stepping back from family harm, mental health callouts. Police are seeking relief from the growing pressure to tackle non-crime social problems. And also Queenstown cocaine dealer, he loses name suppression. The uh, former Queenstown businessman, he has been, his name is Joshua William Graham. They always say the th- whole three, don't they? Makes you sound like a criminal when they say your whole name. <laughs> Grant, Dada, Edwards, you know. Uh <laughs> Anyway, he's 31. He's, um, he's earned a lucrative secondary income selling drugs for 14 months until police searched his shot over uh, country home last year. They found cocaine with an estimated street value of $11,250. Ecstasy uh, valued it's a terrible drug, that. Uh, that actually makes you depressed if you keep taking that stuff. Uh, that was um, valued at a street value of $16,500 and $2,820 in cash. Nothing wrong with having cash on cash on hand, uh, but they want to make it sound like cash is a bad thing. It's the drugs that are a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with the cash, but obviously the, the cash was used in, in the transactions. But um, that is not a crime, to have cash. Uh, Graham, he was granted interim name suppression until his sentencing on October the 27th to... Uh, uh, to, to five months home detention. That's what he got. Should lock him up. He's a drug dealer uh, at his Dunedin address. Uh, Judge Russell Walker refused his application for permanent name suppression. Uh, Graham filed an appeal in the High Court. Uh, the appeal has now been abandoned, and Graham told police that he bought the drugs in one or two ounce lots, so he owned up to it, selling some to friends and using the rest for himself, which is a silly thing to do because it makes you, especially um, ecstasy, makes you uh, cocaine. I think cocaine is probably one of the safer <laughs> safer ones, really. Uh, although, uh, who was it, Robin Williams, before he um, hung himself, if that's what he did, that's what they say. Robin Williams, such a shame, you know, having such a funny man as Robin Williams that he was actually unhappy. I, I don't know. I am... I'm not happy all the time, but I'm not sad all the time, but I'm joyful, I think it is. And I think to be joy, really, knowing people that don't have hope, um, I don't know how they, I'd be depressed, I think, if I had no hope, but I have hope. I have hope that we live, we live by hope. We look up for our redemption draws nigh. And I would just, I don't think I would want to be a non-Christian. I just can't imagine what it would be like living a life knowing that one day you're just going to die and that's the end of it for you. Uh, you know, the dead know nothing, the Bible says, and that's the spiritually dead. Uh, but the those that are Christians, the Bible tells us that we um, that we don't, our spirit goes to be with the Lord. The Apostle Paul says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Uh, whereas, um, and then we come back, 
the Bible, the Bible says that our spirits come back and they're reunited with our body, which will rise up from the dead. And then uh, those and those people, and that will happen before. And then this is what happens is First Thessalonians chapter four and First Corinthians chapter fifteen. I spoke about it yesterday. We rise up from the dead. They rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, are changed. Our bodies are changed so that we can. Uh, our body will be like Christ's body when it rose from the dead, and then we will be with those people that have risen up from the dead, our, our you know, forebears, friends and families that are believers, that have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. By what? By what? By repenting of their sins and believing that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again according to Scripture. And you can find the proof and evidence of that. Well, you can find the proof and evidence that the Bible is true because it possesses the necessary elements of being a divine revelation. I talk about that often, but um, the Bible is it tells us uh, in First Corinthians chapter fifteen also that the gospel and it's a simple message. It's not keeping the Ten Commandments. It's not trying to live a good life, you know, to earn your way to heaven on the instalment plan like the Roman Catholics do. It's not that. It's believing by faith that Christ Jesus was God himself in human form. He said, except you believe that I am he, Yahweh, except you believe that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Talking to everybody, ye, Y-E, not Y-E-A, I said yesterday, yay. <laughs> anyway, you'll die in your sins. That's what he said. He said, I and the Father are one, and he laid down his life for us so that we, because we couldn't, none of us can get to heaven on the installment plan. God won't accept our money to be saved. He won't accept us if we live a good life. I know Mormons that live good lives, Jehovah's Witnesses that live good lives, Seventh-day Adventists that live good lives, um, Muslims that live good lives, um, you know, Hindus. They're, they're good people, but they're lost because they reject the creator of heaven and earth, that he came to earth as a man, that he never sinned and that he was offered as a sacrifice to pay for your sins and mine. And then he was taken off that cross on a Wednesday before sunset because it was a Sabbath that week, according to Sir Robert Anderson in the book The Coming Prince, which outlines Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy, which is the supernatural element of the Bible, that from when that commandment went forth by Long Geminus, to rebuild Jerusalem was exactly 69 weeks, as it says in Daniel chapter 9. 69 weeks, and God put it in code so it couldn't be replicated. 69 weeks of Jewish calendar years, a week of years, 69 of them, 483 years, 1,000 182,800 days from when Long Geminus gave that commandment to Nehemiah to build Jerusalem because it was in ruins. And from that commandment, which you can find outside of the Bible in the Persian history books, Long Geminus gave a commandment, and from that day was exactly 182,880 days, 69 weeks of lunar calendar years because 
Daniel was a Jew, and that's the Jewish calendar. They are 360 days long each year. We're 365. Jesus Christ rode into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. The kings that come on a donkey are coming in peace. The ones that ride on a horse are coming for war. He came on a donkey, not not for war, but to offer himself as a sacrifice in Jerusalem that week. He came on Palm Sunday. He was killed, off murdered, but he went willingly. He knew the day and the hour that he would be hung on that cross. And if you want to know what he was thinking while he was on that cross, Psalms 22. That is the supernatural element. No one could guess, no one could know that from when that commandment went forth, provable outside of the Bible, irrefutable proof, that the book that we hold in our hands is the living words of Almighty God, the Creator, a divine revelation from the heavens, and you can trust it. The words that I say unto you, Jesus said, they are spirit and they are life. Psalms 22 outlines it. We always talk about Psalms 23, don't we? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we forget Psalms 22. Go and read it. They drew lots for my vesture. This was written a thousand years before Christ came. King David wrote it. King David didn't die on a cross. He said, my tongue cleaveth to my jaw. Evil dogs surround me. Bulls of Bashan just baying at me. All my joints, you know, they're out of joint. And then he died. And then he rose again from the dead three days later. He was put in that grave on Wednesday before sunset. He was there three full days and three full nights. On Saturday, at sunset, he rose from the dead. And he was seen on Sunday morning by Mary. She thought he was a gardener. And he stayed on earth for 40 days. Many of the Old Testament saints came out of the grave with him. They were seen by over 500 people. And then he went back up to heaven, which is where we're going, at the rapture which is a Latin word for being caught up. And one day, all of us believers, if we're still alive, will be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive And remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Not in Jerusalem, 
and we shall, though we shall, we shall ever be with the Lord. So comfort one another with these words. And then we go to the judgment seat of Christ. While God deals with Israel for a seven-year period of Jewish calendar years, he deals with them again. He's brought them back into the land in their unbelief, Ezekiel 37, uh, 36. And they're going to turn to their Messiah, who is Jesus Christ, the Lord, eventually. But many of them, millions of them will die in the war that's to come for the Middle East when God deals with Israel and deals with the Gentile nations who rise up against Israel. If you curse the Jews, God will curse you. If you bless them, as they have blessed us, God will, will bless you. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, I believe. So as a warning, you've been warned. Do not curse the Jews. Look at history. Look what happened to Hitler. Everyone. Look at Haman. He was hung on the, his own gallows. You find that in the book of Esther. He wanted to kill Haman. Oh, sorry, wanted to kill, I um, can't remember that, but Haman was killed on, the, on his own gallows. He plotted against them. Don't curse the Jews. There's bad Jews. We know the Antichrist will be a Jew. He's going to be a counterfeit. He's going to pretend that he is God. I believe that he will, if you've read the book Holy Blood, Holy Grail, I believe that he will claim his lineage from the house of David and he will pretend that he is a descendant of Jesus Christ, which is a, a blasphemy. Jesus died and rose again, according to Scripture. We know that because it's got, it possesses the necessary elements of being a divine revelation. So put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, because there's no one else, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Not through Mary worship. She's not the conduit which leads you to Christ. She's a sinner. She's not a perpetual virgin. She had other children. Your only hope is by faith, crying out to God and thanking him for sending his son, who is God himself in human form, the judge that's going to judge you, came off his throne, came to earth and laid down his life for you so that you could have eternal life through faith in him. He is your saviour. He's thrown you a lifeline and all you've got to do is receive that message that Christ 
died for you. And you don't have to keep sacrificing him over and over again in the Mass. That is a blasphemy. He died once for all, the Bible tells us. And he's coming back with the saints in flaming fire, taking vengeance on all those that know not God and obey not the gospel. And the gospel is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You're listening to The Wireless.